0: All right, welcome into
1: the Duck Territory podcast. Matt Prey, and Eric Scopel here talking. Uh, this is going to be a basketball-centric one because again, there's a lot of stuff happening on both sides—football and basketball. We want to give proper time to both subjects. And uh, before we get into basketball, we got we got a good show. Uh, we want to introduce you guys to our VIP promos right now. These aren't prices that are changing. They're not going away. You can sign up for your first 30 days of DuckTerritory.com's VIP membership for as low as $1. Uh, if you're a non-subscriber and you want to try us out, perfect time, perfect price to do that. Uh, if you're willing to to take the leap and give a, a year's commitment, uh, you could get us for your first year at, at $6.26 a month. It's never cheaper. It, it's You're not going to go anywhere else on the Internet that's cheaper than that price. Uh so if you're a month to month subscriber or if you're a new subscriber, you can take advantage of that offer. So uh make sure you get in on that. Uh Eric, there is more movement for the Oregon basketball program. Um recently they've landed a verbal commitment from 2019 forward. Uh I, I believe it's Luke Were. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it because it's the uh or is it is it
0: lock were? Is- it's it's Luke. It says in his Twitter bio it's Luke, so I'm going with Luke.
1: Okay. And the reason the confusion, he spells it L-O-K with two dots above the O. So I'm not quite sure the pronunciation of that, but he says it goes by Luke, so we're going to call him Luke. Um, six foot nine, 200 pound forward from the Omaha, Nebraska area. A guy that we've talked about before on the podcast, uh, if you're unfamiliar with him, he – was committed to a junior college in the toughest league in JUCO uh down in Florida uh because he was not expecting to be cleared by the NCAA from an academic standpoint His transcripts just weren't in order uh he thought and then it turns out at beginning of June I believe uh he was cleared and within days, you know, Oregon had reached out. Dan Altman personally handled the recruitment there. Uh, a lot of Power 5 schools offered scholarships. I saw somewhere he had over 30 offers in a less than a month. Uh, so this was a guy that a lot of schools were wanting, they just couldn't offer him a scholarship because he, he wasn't expected to get into school. That changed. He became a hot commodity. He visited this last, this past weekend, and now he decided to, to shut things down and commit to Oregon. Uh Quite honestly Eric, this late in the game to find a guy of his athletic ability, his frame, his potential, his ceiling, whatever you want to call it, uh pretty good pretty solid get for Oregon.
0: Oh, I think it's a great get. Late in the process here, you know, you don't see a lot of guys with his talent level available frankly and mm-hmm. and you mentioned uh, all the offers that came pouring in and it makes sense when you go watch him. He he kind of to me draws some resemblance to Pascal Siakam of of Toronto who Everybody just kind of saw explode on the scene this last season into the postseason and into the finals. So I think some really high end talent there. He's six foot nine. Like you said, he handles the ball really well. You can go check his, uh, his film out. I think it's, we have it on the site, but you go YouTube and just type in his name. You'll find it handles the ball really well for a six foot nine guy. You know, looks kind of like almost a point forward kind of guy with the way he handles the ball. Doesn't look like he can shoot it very well, but gets to the rim really, really well. So I I think a really nice late addition. Um, I wrote about this a little bit on the website. You can go check it out. Just kind of looking at what the roster looks like. Oregon now has eight scholarship players. And I think the thing that stood out to me is that you got Luke Ware now, uh, along with C.J. Walker and Chandler Lawson, all pretty similar body types, all pretty similar athletes, and I think kind of a nice group of versatility. That I kind of made mention of the 2015-16 team with Dylan Brooks, Elgin Cook, and Dwayne Benjamin, and how those guys were kind of interchangeable. I think you could see something sort of similar uh with this this young trio for Oregon. And now you just kind of look at the team. They actually can actually go out and maybe scrimmage some, that, so they've actually got a <laughs> roster put together. Uh, finally, it took them until almost July, but they now have 10 scholarship players on the team. Two will have to sit out last year, as I'm sure most listening are familiar, uh, due to transfer. But eight players, that's enough to have a rotation at least to start. Yeah, you, you
1: look at this group and you've got some combinations now that you can, mm-hmm. that you, you can mix with and um, you know, figure out what works best and, uh, the thing with Luke Warrior is I, I think people need to have, I agree with you that he's got a high ceiling. It, it looks like it's going to be a good get. Um, but I think people don't, people don't need to expect him to come in and day one, you know, be a borderline double-double guy. I don't think he's going to be that All right, player. Yeah. Uh, but from a perspective of a four-year player, I think this is that guy. Someone who's going to, you know, drastically get better every single season. Um, my biggest, thing when I watch his film is he needs to get stronger because like you said he's really good with handles with the basketball uh, he's very athletic but a lot of the plays that I saw him make in that highlight tape uh, playing in Nebraska and I'm not I don't necessarily correlate Nebraska high school basketball as a mecca hotbed uh, <laughs> of high school basketball you know we don't see a ton of high-profile players come out of there so I, I maybe it's a lot like Oregon I, I don't know but I look at the plays that he made, and a lot of those plays, I, I say to myself, okay, it's impressive. He's finishing well. He's making the things that he's making the plays that he needs to make. But at the same time, some of these plays, he's simply converting because a he's either taller, longer, or simply just more athletic than anyone else, else on the court. And that's not going to be the case next season at Oregon. So my my biggest thing for him, he just needs to get stronger. I think that's going to be the the adjustment that he's going to need to make. You know, a lot of players on Oregon's team last past year, the year before that, they talked a lot about how uh, the adjustment to not the speed, but the, just the physicality of playing high level basketball in college uh, is something that that you get adjusted to. And I think that's going to be something of you know we're going to have to watch with Luke Ware is how quickly can he adjust to the strength and to the physicality of college basketball and will he be able to get strong enough to, to be able to handle it?
0: And I think another comparison if we're going to make it, and I think you bring up good points about expectations and certainly I think back to, this is not a comparison in terms of the player, but Cavell Bigby Williams a couple of years ago, you had that highlight tape from him in England where he's going up against like a bunch of five foot six kids right. that don't look like they really know how to play basketball and he's dominating, going between the legs, doing all sorts of stuff and people expected him to have that game when he arrived on campus. And clearly he didn't, and it was a little bit lacking, but the comparison I did want to make was, maybe it's more like Peter Jock, another Sudanese guy, uh, from Sudan. He played at Iowa a handful of years ago. First couple of years at Iowa was kind of a bit player, didn't do a whole lot, but by his junior and senior year, he was a Big Ten all-conference guy. Uh, you know, I think I might have won conference player of the year as a senior when he averaged about 20 points a game, so. Uh, obviously we're not trying to set expectations, but in terms of the progression, I think you're, you're, you're right on that. And I don't think you can expect him to come in and, and play 28 minutes a game and be a star player. I think more than likely he comes in as a rotational guy, maybe 8 to 12 minutes per game, does some nice things and maybe has an opportunity to build up on that as the year progresses. Here's a question for you, Matt. Can you, can you piece together what a starting lineup would look like now? Obviously there's not a lot of, Options because there are only eight players, but how would you, if you were just analyzing it right now, how would you project it uh, about three and a half months from the season?
1: That's a good question. I think your biggest concerns with the roster as it currently stands now is who backs up Francis Okoro. Yep. Because he's by and far uh, the one guy you look at and say, yeah, that's a center. I don't know if CJ Walker is, he can play it. Is he full-time? Is Luke Wer full-time? Is Chandler Lawson full-time? Um, so I, I think you look at, okay, you got to figure out some kind of way because Francis Socorro is not going to be able to play 40 minutes a game. He's just not. It's, it, it, he can be in the best shape of his life, uh, but he's just not going to be able to do that. So uh, finding the combination that fits right, that gives you – the best opportunity to give him, you know, steal some minutes and steal some rest for him. Um, so I think if, if I was starting out, you'd, you'd obviously put coro at, at center. At power forward, I would probably play uh, C.J. Walker. And then at small forward, I would play Chris Duarte. And then at shooting guard, I would play Anthony Mathis. And at point guard, I would play Peyton Pritchard. That would leave me with Will Richardson, uh, Chandler Lawson, and Luke were off the bench uh, for for Oregon next season. Now the reason why I picked that group is because I think Richardson can come in and, and slide Peyton to the to the two. You can give Mathis a break, um, or you could you could elect. Hey, we want to play. We need to give Okoro a rest, so we're gonna put in Chandler Lawson, or we're gonna put in uh, Luke were at power forward or at center, uh, and we'll bump down maybe. Uh, Chris DeWarte from Small Forward to Shooting Guard. So while well. we lose maybe some of that interior size that Okoro has, uh, Oregon has now, uh, you know, kind of a, a bigger guard lineup. Uh, if, if you will see, so maybe go 6'2, 6'5, 6'6, and then, you know, three guys at, at, at six 6'9, uh, two, or two guys at 6'9. I can't do math, apparently.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> that's kind of what I would go with. And, and then if you want to play small, you can take Okoro off and, you could play Walker at, at the center. You could play Duarte at the forward and and maybe put in uh, Will Richardson as as your small forward or your shooting guard. Mathis plays you know the three or whatnot. Um, you're going to have to find some combination with acoro Lawson, Walker, and um, Were. Those four guys are are going to basically have to hand be able to handle the center slash power forward spot for the most part. And, and so I, I think you go with Okoro and you're going to have to be very, very strategic of when you pull him out and, and kind of the matchups may dictate who replaces him at the center spot.
0: Yeah, I think I think center remains a spot where they would be best off finding another body just just from the perspective of, like you said, you, the drop off from Okoro who is a ready built 6'9", 240 pounds college, you know, Basketball player who's got a year of experience, had some moments. He sat there, but you're right. You look at the rest of those guys, they're like 195, 200 pounds and, and those aren't big enough bodies right now. I don't think to, to be called upon to play center against some of these other collegiate centers. And so you're a core getting in foul trouble, maybe getting injured. I'm knocking on wood as I say that given Oregon's history with centers and injuries, but I, I just think, yeah, you look at the depth there. That remains a concern. It could be, like I was kind of saying earlier, a thing where, where you do end up playing basically no traditional centers for a portion yeah. of the game. And, and that might not be the worst thing in the world. It's just going to put you at a disadvantage if the other team has a traditional seven foot or a six foot eleven guy who can, and, you know, back to the basket. Cause from a physicality perspective, this team outside of Okoro, just basically top to bottom, not a lot of big, strong, muscular guys on this roster right now. Uh, certainly I think something you can continue to address, but. I agree. I think that's the big concern. I actually think at guard, the way it looks right now, you've got four guys that are are very capable players and that starting lineup right there should be able to score the ball really effectively with Pritchard, with Mathis now and and with Duarte. It's just now a matter of what are they able to get offensively from that forward spot. I think CJ Walker is a big, a big guy to keep an eye on. Just if he can develop into a bona fide, you know, he's a five star recruit, but a guy who could maybe get drafted pretty high next year, a guy who's an all-conference freshman guy, without a doubt, maybe even an an all-conference second-team guy, then that's a huge development. Because to me, that remains, they need to get something out of that power forward spot. And and currently, you're relying upon basically true freshmen across the board.
1: Yeah, I look at, you you kind of break Oregon's lineup into three positions, guard, wing, forward. Mm -hmm. Guards, I look at, and I say, okay, it's going to be Pritchard, it's going to be Mathis, it's going to be Richardson. Those are going to be probably your you know Richardson and, and Pritchard will be your two primary ball handlers. Um I think Mathis could maybe do it in a pinch in a small stretch. Duarte probably would be your third option if you if you had to. Um and then your wings I look at being Duarte, Lawson and Walker. Uh those are guys that could maybe play guard. Uh those are guys that also could could maybe in an, a pinch play forward. Um for Oregon I, I look at Duarte being the guy that could play guard and loss and a walker being the guy that could play, you know, the center position for you if, if you really needed them too. Uh, and then at forward you have a Coro and you have Wurr. Um, I, I, agree with it. You. you need to find a center and that, uh, or another, another guy that can play forward. And I think that's kind of where we're in hold up mode with Shakur Justine, the UNLV grad transfer. I think Shakur Justine is, is a wing. But he's physical, he's, he's big enough from a, from a, a strength standpoint and he's physical enough to be able to handle in spurts the forward spot for Oregon and, and kind of, you know, allow a Quoro to maybe have a little bit of a break, not necessarily force Ward to place him center or a loss or a Walker to place him center. And then you also have Infale Dante, the 2020 five-star player, uh, that's 6'11", that, it, that's considering like a reclass to 2019. Um, if, if he moves into 2019 and then if that's two big ifs, uh, he, he signs with Oregon, then your, your front court's really solidified even without Chacor Justine, uh, just because you now have two legitimate centers, two shot blockers, uh, and, and options if, if one of them gets into foul trouble or if one of them gets hurt. Um, I would almost argue now that while Shakur Justine may be the player that, would have the best impact uh, on any team in 2019-2020 basketball season. Uh, If Nfale Dante moves into the 2019 class, he becomes Oregon's most important recruit that's left on the table because he means so much to Oregon's depth and rotation.
0: And and if we are getting dream scenario here, and let's say they do land Justine and they do land Dante, you now have a really complete roster, and arguably, honestly, maybe a little bit more complete-looking roster than Oregon's had the last couple of years I, obviously last year's upside was probably higher if Bull had stayed healthy, if King had been able to play with, with Bull a little bit and uh, you had key jab transferring, but I just think if you had a 10 guy rotation with the 8 players currently and then you add those guys in the front court, that's a really complete roster that has some perimeter guys that can shoot the basketball and handle the basketball, some long athletic guys to, you know, to defend on the wing and in the post, and then a couple of big strong guys around the basket to defend, to block shots, to rebound, you know, uh, to finish around the rim. So, I actually really think if they do land that way, there should be a significant amount of, I don't want to say expectation, but given how poorly this offseason looked a couple of weeks ago, there should be a certain level of, okay, optimism now going into the season of, it could have been really bad, but if they finish up now with adding War and these other two players, and again, these are dream scenarios we haven't really, they haven't been realized yet, but if that takes place, you have a really talented, versatile roster that I think could really, legitimately you know, win the conference again.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a, uh, something that is still on the table, even if they don't add anybody left.
0: Really?
1: Yeah, just because, I mean, look at the, I mean, are they going to be the favorites? No. I don't think they are right now, as they're currently constructed. But, they have Peyton Pritchard, who's going to be the most experienced guard in the conference. And on top of that, uh, I think he's going to be a player of the year candidate. You have an elite shooter in Anthony Mathis. You have a, a guard in Duarte or a wing in Duarte that was the number one ranked junior college transfer in the country. All the big schools were after him. Uh, Syracuse really wanted him coming out of high school. You have a center that plays defense and rebounding and, and completely knows his role and is that physical mentality guy. And then you've got just a bunch of athletes in Richardson, Lawson, Walker, and Wurr. You, and then obviously the, the coaching aspect, you I mean, I, I don't think anyone's going to argue, uh, or debate the fact that Dana from an X's and O's and a, a player development standpoint is probably number one or two or three in the conference at worst, uh, in the Pac-12. And I think that matters. I, I think in college basketball, a schematic X and O's factor, X factor from your coaching standpoint really matters. And I, I just think it wouldn't, it wouldn't entirely surprise me with their current roster, if, if they can avoid injuries, that they win either the, the Pac-12 regular season title or they win the conference tournament. I mean, they've, they've got the, the pieces. It's just now how quickly can they get them all together?
0: Yeah, it's certainly an interesting scenario. I think Washington is probably the team everyone's focused in on with the two five-star recruits they brought in. Obviously, they and everything else. And I was going to say Arizona and USC have a ton of talent, too. And the underlying thing here is what happens with the supposed investigations that are supposedly going to be ongoing with some of these schools, because there have been, obviously, a number of schools kind of mentioned in this. Do they get pulled in? How does that impact the race? That's probably a discussion for a different podcast. but. Certainly, Oregon, given, again, the the track record with Dane Altman, with a guy like Peyton Pritchard, I don't disagree that they can compete. I just think they need a couple more bodies to really solidify themselves there, because, again, in 2015-16, it was seven-guy rotation, but this year, I don't know if you feel like you have a seven-man rotation, even if you have eight roster spots filled up, because you don't necessarily know what you're getting out of some of these younger guys, from my perspective. A War, we talked a little bit earlier about how there's a high ceiling, but Maybe he doesn't realize it, and he's not a guy who you can really play very much. And if that's the case, then you're relying upon the other seven guys to be part of that rotation and play a lot of minutes. So I still think a couple more spots are going to be added, I would assume. At least there are going to be certainly a number of guys out there that they're targeting. Um, Matt, anybody else that you think listeners should be aware of, or, or, or Justine and Dante at this point, kind of the only names to kind of keep an eye on? Passion, drive, and patience.
1: All right, welcome back to the Duck Territory podcast. Matt Preem, Eric Scopo here. And before the break, we Eric asked a question about just are there guys that Oregon fans should, should keep an eye on um, for the 2019 class? And I, I, Eric, I think it's really starting to solidify itself from a numbers standpoint. There's obviously Shakur just seeing that they're waiting on to see what happens for him and does he grad transfer in and uh, be a I, – I think he becomes a starter for Oregon if if he comes in here, no matter who else the Ducks had. Uh There's Enfali Dante, that's a center, the 11th best player in the country. Um, we've talked about him at length on this podcast. If you're familiar with Oregon basketball recruiting and our work here, we've talked about him a lot, 6'11", 230. He's debating on what's next for him uh another player that could move um into the twenty nineteen class but everyone in his camp has kind of said that they're not. Um but nonetheless I, I, I think there's maybe a very small outside chance and McCormicker Maker, another five star center. Uh he's the number thirteen player in the country and, and I don't personally I don't think he's going to move into twenty nineteen. But it's on the table still for him. Um, we'll see what happens in July and August with him. Uh, from a guard perspective or a wing perspective, um, there's two guys that could move that Oregon's recruiting and, and looking at. Uh, there's, uh, five star, uh, small forward, Kyrie Walker from Phoenix, Arizona's Hillcrest Hoops. He's a six foot five guy. He's ranked 21st overall in the country. And then there's also shooting guard, uh, Addison Patterson from also from Arizona. Uh, by way of Canada, um, out of Bella, Bella Vista Prep. Uh, he is the 34th best player in the country, and he is a 6'6 shooting guard. I, I think if, if you were to pick one other guy that's a 2020 player that could move into 2019 that Oregon's looking at beyond Infalli Dante, I think it falls onto Addison Patterson. Um, he's very high on Oregon. The crystal ball says he's gonna, uh, Go to Oregon if, if you go by the crystal ball, and I, I I've placed my crystal ball in there. I don't know if he's coming at 2020 or if he's coming at 2019. I just think when he goes to college, it will be at Oregon. I just don't know when that is. Um, Patterson would would help a lot because he's a shooter, he's a ball handler, and he's versatile in that he can guard multiple positions. Uh, and that's kind of what you want when you have a short rotation, a short bench.
0: And if you were to add one of those wing guys, you would certainly finalize the roster. Here's another question for you, Matt. Obviously, if Oregon, let's say they were to land those two front court players in Justine and Dante, or just say two players in general, that brings into 12 total scholarships. Do you think Oregon would would fill up, or do you think they'd like to carry a 13th, uh, sorry, carry an open 13th spot? Yeah,
1: let me differentiate. There, there is, so they have, in my opinion, if they're gonna take two guys, one of them has to be able to play center. Yeah I, I don't think you can you can find a guy that and it doesn't even have to be a full-time center but they have to be able to get something out of you know they have to get some minutes out of that player to play center. Um so I think that really you know hammers home the importance of getting uh, and following Dante if he moves into 2019 or if there's a graduate transfer out there um Oregon was looking at a couple guys uh as potential center options, one of them committed to, to Creighton, I believe, from Idaho State. Um, so we'll see if there's any new names that pop up. And yes, names still are popping up um, on the transfer market. So I would, I would think a center makes the most sense. But then, yeah, if they, if they can find a, a Shokor, Justine, um, I, they would, they would certainly take him. Uh, I, I could see a scenario where. They do take 13 scholarships and and fill all of them. And we should also mention that, you know, Oregon's – we're talking a lot about how Oregon has eight guys, but if they add two more, how are they getting to 13? Um, they have <coughs> – excuse me. They do have uh, two transfers currently on the roster that I have to sit out next season. Uh, the first one is Eric Williams from Duquesne. He's a six-six kind of wing forward and then 6-7 uh, uh, transfer from Rutgers Eugene Omari uh, both of those guys are on scholarship both of them have arrived to Eugene uh, are with the team now and are enrolling into school this week um, and they just unfortunately can't play next year so uh, they are sitting out so Oregon has 8 scholarship players that are eligible uh, and then they have 2 more guys on scholarship that puts them to 10 so they have three available scholarships left to use. I, th- I think they would take two more. Um, if Addison Patterson and Falei Dante and Shakur Justine all wanted to come, they would probably fill up at 13 and be done, obviously, because they can't add any more. Um, but I, I think they want to be able to carry out at least one of those scholarships over to the 2020 uh, recruiting class. Because right now they have Anthony Mathis and they have Peyton Pritchard as the seniors on the roster. If if they add a Shakur Justine, uh, that would you know essentially bring them to three senior scholarships. They need three to five spots for 2020. And so um, the only way I, they they would fill, in my opinion, is if they got a, a graduate transfer or they got somebody that they knew. Was a one and done prospect, and they were going to get that scholarship back in 2020.
0: Makes a lot of sense, and it would be pretty wild to go from having what it was it eight scholarship players only a couple of weeks ago to actually filling up to thirteen. <laughs> uh, I don't think anybody saw that coming because we were all thinking, "Man, are they going to have enough players to, to fill out a roster?" And I can't. It's not very frequent that they actually get all the way to thirteen. Like like Matt has said in the past, typically they do like to carry. Uh, an extra spot yeah. just in case somebody wants to transfer. So that would be bizarre. To, I think to, to, that would be an interesting storyline to go from it looks like maybe they're only going to have like seven guys active next year to, oh, actually we have every single scholarship filled.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just today's day and age of college basketball is yeah. that until, you know, the end of July, your roster could be still in flux. Um, I, I certainly think Oregon wasn't expecting this. Uh, uncertainty at, at the roster but that's kind of where we're at um, but I think that's just kind of the norm now is if you've got to be ready for anything and you also have to understand that you know, with the graduate transfers and with the reclassification becoming a more and more popular thing and something that happens more and more every year uh, and then on top of that now the transfer portal um, more guys putting in their names I mean, just this week uh there was a guy, Barcelo, from uh, from Arizona electing to leave the Wildcats after two seasons. That um, was a guy that, that Oregon re- recruited out of high school. Um, I don't know if he necessarily would make a ton of sense now, maybe a little bit, uh, for Oregon considering he has to redshirt, but that's why you want to have that open roster spot going into the season if you can because you can find – you know, every year, there's going to be a couple really big, grad, you know, not graduate, but transfers, middle of the season. And if you have that roster spot, you can take his commitment and you can enroll right away and get on scholarship.
0: And not only that, you could theoretically then possibly play earlier the, the next season yes. right? in terms of the, yes. the sitting out role. So, yes, yeah, some serious benefits there. Um, really quickly, we should probably mention the fact that a couple of or- former Oregon players have found professional homes, at least I'm in the like- short term. Finally, I think we were both surprised we, we did podcast on Friday after the draft that neither Lewis King or Kenny Wooten had found a home uh, after uh, we're recording this around noon on Tuesday. It looks like both of them at least have a spot they're going to play in summer league. Uh, Louis King has signed a two-way deal with Detroit that was announced on Monday. And then uh, earlier this morning, it was announced that Kenny Wooten would be playing summer league with the New York Knicks. Uh, at least both guys have found a home. That's a, a step up and an improvement from where things were just a couple of days ago is what, when you were kind of going, man, like this is a real cautionary tale of two guys who could have come back and had at least a year or two, maybe three in King's, uh, in King's situation. Instead, they go pro and uh, go undrafted. So positive developments for both of them. Uh, I think the fit for King is and Wooten is kind of interesting. Uh, neither of those teams are like real contending spots. So, Roster's that are probably going to employ a lot of younger players to build up talent. Maybe an opportunity to make those teams for Wooten. Obviously it's going to be tougher because he has no guaranteed money going into the season. He's just basically filled out a summer league spot that starts next week, but certainly positive developments. I think both guys, guys that we still think could play in the NBA at some point, uh, whether or not it's this season remains to be seen, whether or not it's the next couple season remains to be seen, but certainly guys to keep an eye on if you're, if you're an Oregon fan and NBA Summer League, I believe, starts on July 5th, so about, about a week away from that. The NBA, it seems like <laughs> professional basketball just never stops.
1: They've picked up the NFL model of being in the news cycle, uh, the entire year. And, um, it's good to see those guys get landing spots. I was, I was, ex- A, I was expecting Lewis King to get picked high in the Same. second round. And so when yeah. he did not get picked, I was shocked. And I, I don't know, Eric. Were you more shocked by Lewis King not getting picked or that the fact that Lewis King not only didn't get picked, but he didn't had to wait like five days after the draft to sign a free agent deal. Now he could have been negotiating, you know, from right. day one and trying to, you know, land at a specific spot, which is with the Detroit uh, um, Pistons. Um, but so that could have been in play. We're not privy to that. We don't know what kind of negotiations he was going through over those five days, but when he didn't get drafted, I was like, okay, he's going to be one of the first guys that gets a contract and, and signs with the team, two-way deal or, or something. Uh, but he had to wait a really long time, and that almost surprised me just as much, if not more, than him not getting picked.
0: Guys guys were signing two-way deals or, or contracts Seconds with NBA after teams. I was, yeah, was going to say, Wojnowski and Shams and all those NBA guys were announcing it. Like 20 guys signed within probably three hours of the draft completing, and I stayed up a little late that night thinking that, oh, between King and Wooten, one of those guys is going to ink a deal, was shocked that they didn't, was honestly surprised the next morning on Friday that I didn't wake up to news that one or both of them had been signed, and then the fact that it carried into this week, I agree. Surprising. You you wonder what exactly was going on. There were some red flags reported out there about maybe potential off the court issues with with both guys. I don't we don't want to speak to that too much, but certainly an interesting scenario where you, where you have guys that are undoubtedly capable players that it takes this long for them to find homes. I mean, King was a five star recruit who, like you said, a lot of people thought was going to go in the 30s. There were I even saw him off draft a couple of days before that had him going number 25 to Portland. So I mean, there was some discussion at least that he was going to be picked somewhere and the fact that he didn't get picked and then like you said that it carried into this week was surprising I think Wooten sort of made sense that it took a little bit of time for him to get traction professionally I'm sure teams were just waiting to see how everything played out but King was a guy I thought would have been prioritized I agree with you I would have thought he would have been prioritizing and one of those first four or five guys announced to sign a deal somewhere uh, again the good news is both guys at least have some sort of uh, professional future set up for the short term, and, and in one case, in a little longer term for, for King. But uh I think again, you know, we don't necessarily talk too much at length. There's been a lot of discussions on our message board. You can go and join into in those if you want to check it out. DuckTerritory.com. But certainly, two guys that if they returned to Oregon for their sophomore and junior seasons would have played massive roles on the team and possibly could have led Oregon to a very successful season.
1: Uh And we should also note that Kenny Wooten did get a deal with the New York Knicks. Yeah. Um, and he's he's got a chance to get a two-way deal. It, it, it sounds like he's got a summer league contract first, with the possibility of that being turned into a two-way deal. So we'll see what happens there. Um, a couple other quick notes just from NBA Summer League: Bowl, Bull Bowl will be with the with the Denver Nuggets. Lewis King will be with Detroit Pistons. Um, Kenny Wooten will be with the New York Knicks. Uh, Troy Brown and Elijah Brown both non-related, are on the Washington Wizards Summer League roster. Joe Young was added to the Summer League for the uh, uh, Los Angeles Lakers, and I believe I could be wrong on the team. I know for a fact that he's on one, but I believe uh, Mikeel McIntosh is also on the Dallas Mavericks. From a summer league perspective, I don't anticipate Jordan Bell being on one for the Warriors. Um, Dylan Brooks and Tyler Dorsey are kind of uh, maybes. Probably Dorsey more realistic than than Brooks, but it sounds like and it looks like there you know there could be seven or eight guys uh, on summer league teams.
0: Yeah, definitely keep an eye out for that. It will be interesting. I wouldn't imagine that some of these guys going into their third NBA seasons would be playing in Summer League. But for a guy like Dorsey who's kind of looking for a roster spot, it could make some sense for him to do so. Uh, but, yeah, certainly going to be a lot of basketball to watch. If you're an NBA guy or, or you're an Oregon basketball fan, a, a great opportunity these next couple of weeks here to watch a lot of Oregon basketball players compete in the summer league and, and with an opportunity. I mean, there's a lot on the line right now for these guys to potentially land roster spots, especially for King Wooten young Macintosh guys who are not under a contract right now. Uh,
1: just to, to be clear here, uh, Macintosh is on the Pacers. So if you're looking uh, to, to watch former ducks during summer league, the teams that you are going to want to watch and keep tabs on are the Lakers, the Pacers, uh, there is no Dorsey listed yet for the, for Memphis yet. Um, the Knicks and the Nuggets and also, uh,
0: the Wizards. So. And, and the Pistons with King.
1: Oh, right. And the Pistons with King. Uh, so for Eric and myself, thanks for listening to the Duck Territory podcast. Uh, we'll be back with another Oregon basketball centric one when the kind of the news warrants it. And at this rate, right, Eric seems like <laughs> it's kind of almost every other week.
0: Or it could be tomorrow. Who knows? (laughs) It could be tomorrow. Uh, We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Adios, amigos.